Hi everyone, thank you for joining us again today. You know, I want to start today by thanking God for what we are seeing happening in our community. Cases of COVID are dropping and we're starting to see things open again, finally. You know, but I would sincerely ask you to keep praying for God's intervention against this virus, not just for our own country, but also others who are still dealing with its devastating effects. Let's be the church which acts in God's unity for our brothers and sisters around the world. So last week, I talked about the importance of coming together in a, in a local church, having unity locally. And, you know, in phase two, obviously, you cannot come quickly enough. I just cannot wait to get back into the building with you guys. But there's another scale of unity that we could strive for as well, which I think is really important because, you know, of how divided and insulated a lot of people have become over the last two years. And the thing about unity is that, you know, it always starts with us, but in fact creates a potential for God to move in new and miraculous ways. So I've been a Christian, you know, pretty much all my life. You know, I can actually remember giving my heart to God when I was about three or four years old. And I've never really had a time in my life where I walked away from God. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I was in perfect unity with Christ for every moment of my life. You know, I grew up with my older brother and, and some awesome church friends in Montreal who are still very close friends of mine today. And we got into some trouble sometimes. You know, I can remember, you know, really well this one occasion where we had a, a great way of getting into the movies for free in this one movie theater downtown. What we do is we, we would divide the cost of one full movie ticket between us and have one person enter the theater by themselves while the rest of us waited patiently at the unmanned exit doors. So once that person who paid for the ticket entered, they would go straight for these exit doors where we were waiting patiently to make our next move. And once our inside man opened those doors and, and let us in, we could then see the movie of our choice. In fact, several movies if we wanted to. And we did this a, a number of times because it was a trick that required perfect unity amongst our tight-knit group of friends. Unfortunately though, it was not the perfect crime. One day, all of six of us were, you know, were being packed up from a, a youth group outing by my father in our spacious 1990 Dodge Caravan. And on our way home, we passed the exit doors of this particular theater where we committed these cinematic transgressions. And one of the careless members of our band of brothers said, Hey guys, look, it's the doors. And we all kind of laughed a little under our breaths. Unfortunately, my father, the pastor and apostle who functions in fivefold ministry, immediately tapped into his prophetic ability and said while he was driving in downtown Montreal, So, you guys all snuck into that theater through those exit doors, eh? Be sure your sin will find you out. My friend Jamie, who is also now a pastor in one of our, our churches in Montreal, was the saintlier member of our tight-knit group of friends and was often the moral standard for us all. But unfortunately, I knew that there was an imminent punishment coming my way. So I piped up in desperation. But Dad, you know, Jamie did it too. That's right. I sold out my friend, St. James, so that my father's disappointment would be evenly spread out amongst us all. So much for unity. And you know, unity is a fragile thing and can disappear so easily in a moment of hardship. Especially when we want to do things our own way. Our own way will either clash with one, the way you know, others want to do things, or two, the way sometimes God wants to do things. And, and sometimes it's even both. Even when our attentions are good and godly, sometimes the strategy is off. Why? Because most of the time we want to do it the way that makes sense to us instead of the way that God wants to do it. 
As Christians, we, we often think that getting people saved is something we do on our own. But the truth is, God doesn't really want it that way. When it comes to changing lives and ministering to others, the way that God wants it is always in unity. You know, salvation, you know, often can happen on a one-on-one basis. But a life with Christ requires others. It requires discipleship. It requires unity. So if this is true, we need to learn how to sustain unity, not only with God, but with each other too. When this happens, we can really start to see God move. And and not just in ourselves, but we can see Him move in the body of Christ. We can see Him move in our community. We can see Him move in our province. And we can see Him move in our country. When Jesus came to earth, one of His first tasks before starting His mission was to establish a team, a group of disciples that would help Him bring His message to the world. Even the Son of God knew that He could not do it alone. Unity was important to Jesus. In fact, before the crucifixion, and this was his very last prayer, he prayed for his disciples and for the world who would hear the gospel from them. And he did this in John 17 and 20. And it's this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete, complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. So here Jesus is giving us another key as to why unity matters. So that the world will believe. Our connection with God and and each other has a direct correlation to the impact that we can make on people around us. We know from last week that a a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And you know, one of the movies that I I watched for free back in the 90s, Lord forgive me for my sins, was Apollo 13, which tells the story of America's fifth manned mission to the moon. And it's a great movie demonstrating the unity of a team that was literally separated by space. And it showed the kind of life-saving miracles that can occur when everyone collaborates and works together towards a, a shared goal. Divided, we are weak and and easily defeated, but united, we are strong and shine brightly against anything that comes against us. So what does that have to do with us as Christians? Well, it's important that we avoid dividing over our personal agendas, differences of opinion or desires. And when it really comes down to this, if we can't get along with each other, how will people believe we have something of value in us? Something that is incredible. Now, if you think about it, why are stories and and, and movies about unity so popular? Well, it's because unity inspires, it's powerful, it helps us overcome and shine brightly to the world around us. So then it kind of begs the question, why is the church, and I'm talking about the big C church right now, why is the church so incredibly bad at it? Have you noticed that unity is a rarity these days? Having a a large church or a group of churches or a series of associated churches that can sustain unity is actually a very rare thing. And, And it's a shame because if we can't sustain unity long enough, we also cannot experience the power of God working in us as one. Like I said, I've been a Christian for a long time, but have you noticed lately how many churches are splintering, splitting off? And you know, you you might want to attribute this to natural human behavior, but I don't think it really is. Jesus prayed that we all be one, that we all be in unity. So why is it that there is so much division and fracturing in the church? 
Sometimes there's good reasons, obviously, but, but most of the time it's because there was a difference in vision or leadership or even programming. And it's division because somebody doesn't like the way someone is doing something. And in fact, it's telling the church and God, you know, I can do it better, so I'm going to go do it better. It's throwing your brother or sister under the bus at the movie theater and telling God they did it too. You know, and this is sad because when unity leaves a church, so does its God-given purpose. You know, as a, as a church leader myself, I can tell you that, you know, there's a difficult balance between, you know, organizational management and spiritual management. And I can also tell you that seeing my, my parents and my, my grandfather in church leadership, the enemy is always going to try and overwhelm church leadership with organizational problems so that spiritual leadership will become secondary. Usually churches focus on the organizational, which unfortunately leads to the neglect of the spiritual. All to say, you know, pray for your spiritual leaders. Be in unity with them because above all, we need unity with Christ to preserve the unity in the church. So how do you keep yourself in unity with others? Well, it requires a good amount of self-examination first off, you know, at the heart level. Not just in what you see or feel, uh, but to be unified on a heart level, we have to go beneath the surface feelings and really examine our motives. And you can do a lot of good deeds and have a spectacular, you know, spectacular looking results, results that could even fill a church. But it's not going to last if it's driven by motives that stand in opposition to the will of God. Motives like self-promotion, self-glorification, or even selfish ambition. Self is the ultimate unity killer. But, you know, let's go back to John 17 20. The kind of unity Jesus talks about is not the same as conforming or complying with what somebody else wants you to do. Whenever we think of unity, we always think that the cost of unity is our independence and that we become unified when our behavior is falling in line with, you know, what people expect of us. You know, if I attend church regularly, if I read the verse of the day in the Bible app, if I don't rock the boat with anyone and, and get into big arguments with people, then, you know, I must be acting in unity, right? Well, you know, that's nice, but it's not actual unity. Unity is actually about being joined together, and it goes way deeper than our own behaviors. You know, I could do what I assume is all right, you know, all good and all right things, but is that really unity? For example, you know, in my marriage, I could do what I think are all the right things. You know, I could buy my wife flowers, I could make her a lovely lobster dinner, thinking that I'm the best husband in the world. But if I had a genuine relationship with her, I, you know, if I really knew her, I would know that she is in fact allergic to pollen this time of year. And even worse, we'll go into an anaphylactic shock if she eats shellfish. Don't worry, I'm just using this as an example. Neither of those things, thank God. She loves flowers and we both love lobster, but I'm just trying to make the point. You know, when I, I, I just do things that I think are right, it can actually mask that my heart is not unified with God or the people He put around me. So Jesus is talking about being one with Him the way He is one with God. And this kind of unity is about a close relationship where you're deeply connected with Jesus and desire the same things that He desires. So here's the main point that I want you to take today. Unity really should not be that hard. Because when we grow in our unity with God, our unity with people around us, it's absolutely naturally going to grow too. And it's not unity of opinion, it's not unity of political persuasion, but it's unity of mission and submission to Him, to Jesus. 
together all for one and one with God. He can bring us where we need to be so that he can move in ways we never thought possible. Let's do this. Let's go after him wholeheartedly today. And we could start that even right now in prayer. So let's pray that right now. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you fill us with your spirit of love and unity. We ask that you will help us set aside our differences and and look to that which is greater, and that is unity with you. Lord Jesus, create in us a hunger to be more like you. Lord, we ask that we would move away from conformity and instead be drawn to making sure our hearts are unified with you. Stir up a passion in us to love you and and grow in you. Let us be one with you, Jesus, just as you are one with your Heavenly Father. We desperately want to be in complete unity with you so that the world would come to know you. Turn your people back to you, Lord. Draw them in close to you by your love. We wait in great anticipation of what you're going to do in us and through us together. We are all in this for you, the one we love. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I cannot wait to see all of you again soon. And, you know, as we get closer to being able to return to in-person fellowship, let's sincerely seek his heart and, and be in unity with him so that we can be the difference that this world needs. God bless you, and I'll see you soon.